Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Camera Podcast, pubs, pints and people. Welcome listeners to the Camera Podcast, pubs, pints, people, where we chat about everything to do with beer, cider, pubs and more. Your host this week, as always, are myself, Matt Bundy, and I'm joined by my good friends, Katie Wiles and Aunt Fiorillo. Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> this week, we're going to learn all about homebrewing. Aunt is going to be sitting down with Claire Russell, who is the founder of Homebrewtique, which sells homebrew kits. And our correspondent in the field, Adam Taylor, is also going to be chatting with Andy Parker, who is a former homebrewer turned professional and the current owner of Elusive Brewery. It's going to be an absolute belter this week. Obviously, home brewing has absolutely exploded during lockdown, and Homebrew Teak tells us how they're already in Christmas sales territory, which is just amazing. I mean, hey, who wouldn't have made their own beer while they're stuck inside at the moment? Yeah, I mean, this is the golden age of home brewing, isn't it? This should be the hobby that's sweeping the nation. You know, this is better than jigsaws. You get something <laughs> to drink at the end of it. And I'd say it's a great way to keep busy, you know, take your mind off the pub closures. You can build your own bar in your back garden and drink some of the beer that you've made yourself. It's not just beer. You know, obviously, there's cider making, wine making. Have either of you homebrewed before? I have not yet dealt my toes into the water of homebrewing. And actually, when I when I interviewed Claire, which we're going to be listening to shortly, I was so inspired to have a go at it. So I am not there yet, but I am absolutely considering it. And hey, Father's Day is coming up in June. And I've been dropping some heavy hints to <laughs> oh, my God, wife. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> How about you, Matt? Have you tried homebrewing before? Well, you know, I bang on about my terrible cider making enough, but I probably have to say that my homebrewing for beer is just about worse as I probably even <laughs> even tops it but I mean this is many years ago I remember my my dad and I we got one of those really cheap kits where you get like some concentrated liquid uh, <laughs> and we kept it in our airing cupboard and I remember we must have got like the ratios wrong or something because I remember it just sitting in there bubbling away like a witch's brew <laughs> you could kind of like almost hear oh, it God. like rumbling like some monster in the cupboards <laughs> and uh, the best thing about I think the only good thing about it was it tasted terrible but our sheets and towels smelled of beer for weeks which was really nice I bet your mum loved that <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Katie, have you oh, come on, you must have done some homebrewing before. I've homebrewed with the homebrew teak kit. Woo! Oh, very good. I mean, I made... it's all happening this week with homebrew teak. I know. I made their milk stout and it actually tasted like milk stout. It was really amazing. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> but... How did you find the whole process? Well, I actually did it when my dad was visiting from America, so he was able to help me, which I actually really needed because, <laughs> as Claire's going to talk about, you know, as long as you can follow instructions, you can homebrew. 
I find following instructions a bit um, restrictive. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people who like, like I like baking. And I like to throw like a pinch here or a handful there. But when you're baking or homebrewing, you really have to make sure that you're doing the exact measurements. You can't put like a tablespoon of salt into the bread instead of a teaspoon, which is what I have done recently. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've got to be just really, really on top of like the measurements and following things exactly. It's a science, isn't it? No, totally. Yeah, I've been buying it since (laughs) (laughs) ready-made let somebody else do the brewing and you can do the critiquing matt you do a lot of cider making but have you been able to do any during lockdown the apples aren't ready uh, mercifully for my family's taste buds i can't make any of this so no i'm having to buy it but i'm looking forward to harvest already i'll be uh getting i need an army of fruit pickers to help me with my four trees (laughs) and uh, and that's what the nation needs so that's why you have to be a home brewer as well so you can do it the rest of the year I do. I should be seasonal. I should be making like a little porter now, shouldn't I? Well, I'll tell you what, let's find out more about home booty. We're going to be speaking to Claire Russell and it's our learn and discover section. And remember, if you're a camera member and you fancy your hand at all grain brewing, which uh, Claire's going to tell us about, you can get a 15% discount on their whole range, which is nice. You just visit homebrewty.com. And if you're not a member, why not join the campaign? £26 a year and you can be part of the largest consumer group in Europe, helping us to campaign to support the beer and pub industry right now when it needs it the most. Now, seriously, people, we're fighting a good fight for the industry and obviously we're helping the consumer purchase locally sourced real ale insiders we've spoken to you already about the brew to you app things aren't going to snap back to normal on July the 4th it's all about the campaigning so join us I've already mentioned Father's Day is coming up in June how easy is that to find a present for your dad in June join camera for Father's Day hey exactly and with that let's learn a bit more about homebrewing from Homebrewtique learn and discover So today's Learn and Discover tells the tale of two beer enthusiasts from opposite sides of the world who, as fate would have it, met in St Albans one day. With a shared love of cooking, it wasn't long before the clatter of pans paved the way for a journey into the world of homebrewing. Joining us from Home Boutique to give us all the grainy detail, pardon the pun, it's Claire Russell. Claire, thanks for coming on to the show today. All right, thanks for having me. So Home Boutique, tell us how it all started. I guess you've covered a little bit of it. It started from really a want to do something with my time. My children were both at school and I didn't want to just stay at home, do nothing. So my good friend Posey and I were always looking for something to do together. And she was a fellow newbie to the UK, I guess. And we both were women who liked to drink beer, which, you know, we'd go out of a night and we'd both drink beer. And all the other mums that we'd be out with would be drinking their white wines and their gin and tonics. But (laughs) Posey and I would drink beer together and often would laugh about how we were the only ones that liked to drink it. It was something my husband had been interested in. And I realized when I finally paid some attention to it that he only did um, homebrewing using an extract kit. And I didn't really think that seemed like much fun. So I thought we should give proper beer brewing a go with grains. And we sort of tried a few other things that were out there. And I went from knowing nothing about it and thinking that the kits were really hard to understand. And I don't know if I'm doing it right. The instructions are so vague. And I guess Posey and I put our hats on about it. And we were like, well, I think we can do it better. And that's kind of where it evolved, wanting to do something that we saw that was out there that was missing something. And we thought we could do it better. And we set about making a boutique home brewing kit, hence home boutique. Lovely. You've mentioned all grain homebrewing there. So what makes that different to extract? 
So extract is what a lot of homebrewers will be familiar with or will think they need to start with, which is basically where you, I refer to it as the dilute and ferment style of brewing, where basically you get a tin of essentially the, the concentrated beer extract really is what it is. And you dilute it in a big bucket. You pitch your yeast, so you add your yeast to it, and then you wait a couple of weeks for it to ferment, and you stick it in a bottle, and you say, yeah, yeah, I've made beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that sort of, I don't know, just it never appealed to me to do it that way. So with all grain, what you do is you get all the raw ingredients. So you get the grains, and you soak the grains to extract the sugars, and you boil it, and you add your hops and your flavors then. So at the end of that process, you come out with essentially what the brewery had already made for you with the extract brewing. So you then have created the wort and you pitch your yeast and ferment it. You know, there's more that can go wrong, absolutely. But there's also more opportunity for you to A, feel like you've actually made the beer and B, for you to influence the flavors yourself. So you really learn about the process with all grain brewing. And I should imagine the sense of pride at the end, at the bottling stage, when you've created something delicious is much more rewarding if you've had that real hands-on approach. I love as well, as you said, that you've got this ability to learn along the way. Home brewing outside of lockdown has been popular, but it would be fair to say inside of lockdown has just absolutely boomed. For anyone that's not tried it yet, can you give us a bit more information about home brewing? What does it broadly entail? I mean, for us, it's quite a seasonal business and it's been like Christmas all over again and more. So, yeah, it's been just phenomenally busy in something in a time we obviously weren't prepared and ready for it in a way that we are ready for Christmas. So I've certainly seen a lot of people coming back to it who maybe have bought stuff from me before and are coming back now that they have some more time or people who've been indeed given gifts at Christmas or birthdays who are now finally deciding now's a good time to do it. The great thing about it is, as you said, is it's learning. And if you enjoy beer and you enjoy drinking beer, then home brewing, I think, really walks along side by side with that in a way to help you appreciate your beer more. So the process itself is really simple. It is essentially an hour or so of steeping some crushed grains in some water. You know, you want to control the temperature, but basically you leave them there for an hour. You remove the grains and you're left with a sugary water, which then you stick on your hob and you essentially boil that for an hour. And while you're boiling that, you chuck some hops in at various times. You finish it off, you cool it down, you put it in your fermenter with some yeast and you leave it in the corner for a couple of weeks. And then you come back to it and you add some sugar to it, you stick it in a bottle and you leave it for another couple of weeks and then you drink it. So it in itself is quite simple processes. There's nothing complicated. There's no fancy chef skills needed. If you can boil water and you can read instructions, you're 80% of the way there. So <laughs> it's certainly not complicated. I, I think the mystery of it all comes from all the terminology. And I think if you were to investigate online, it can be really daunting because you get really hardcore homebrewers who like to dazzle with their jargon and with their fancy techniques. And I think you can go as geeky as you want with it. You can get your water and strip it back and add everything back into it to build up your brilliant water profile. You can get all sorts of devices and things to monitor your temperature to an nth of a degree. You can do all different sorts of hopping techniques and all these things that to the person trying to take their first step to homebrewing would be completely daunted. And I get that. And that comes back really to why we wanted to start the business was to say, well, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You can get as geeky as you want. As you get to know the process, you may well find that you want to go into some of those more fancy techniques. But 
on the flip side of the coin is that you can just do it from the start, from your first brew, follow some recipe instructions, keep it really simple and look what you can create. And you just go from there, whichever direction you want it to take you. If that becomes building your own recipes and, and building your own kit and your equipment and starting a nano brewery, who knows? Or maybe it's just messing around with the odd recipe here and there. It can fulfill a variety of needs, I think, as a hobby. doesn't have to control your life. It could just be something you dip in and out of every so often when you've got some time on your hands and you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm going to try that again. Or I've tried a really great beer out in the pub. I'm going to see if I can make one like that. Or they put elderflower in it. I'm going to get that recipe and I'm going to stick some elderflower in it. And that's where it's great because it allows you to mess about with it and try some different things. And maybe they taste disgusting, but maybe you discover some amazing little secret tip and you create an amazing little brew that, that you love and share with your friends and it becomes your little home ale recipe. For the entry-level home brewer, are there some beers that are easier to brew than others? Yeah, there's certainly some that just have less processes in them I guess so you for an entry level you're looking for something that has quite a forgiving yeast I guess that can still be active at a, a kind of broad range of temperature you don't want something that needs to be really specific that's where why we would do ale because ale can ferment at kind of warmer temperatures a lot of people ask about lagers but lagers is a long fermenting process and you need to do it in the cold so that doesn't really work for most amateur home brewers a good one that people like to start with is something like a, an English pale ale, which is exactly that. It has some bittering hops at the beginning of the boil, some towards the end. There is nothing that you need to do in terms of adding hops while it's fermenting or anything like that. So you pretty much have your brew day, leave it for two weeks, you add your sugar, you bottle it, and you're done. From an insider then, what's your favourite recipe? I'm really a fan of juicy style or a New England style IPA. So where it's less about the bitterness, the bitterness is kind of smoother, but it's more about the kind of fruity, juicy flavors that you can get from the hops. So I did mess around with one of those recipes. We had it as a limited edition. It's not one of my kind of standard recipes just because it's quite a complicated one to try and get right. You have to use all these different hopping techniques to try and use the hops differently because you're not looking for a nice clear ale at the end of it. You're looking for the sort of cloudy, opaque liquid, which uses different techniques. Certainly something with your big, punchy, citrusy, tropical hops is what I definitely like. So are there any interesting anecdotes about brewing different styles or ABVs? that people ought to know as they get started? Anything that they can do to personalise their beer? I mean, there's loads of things people can do to personalise it. What I would say in the beginning is it's a journey. You learn more about it every time you complete a process and you make a batch of beer, you learn something out of it. Whether it's, oh, I, I made a mistake and I added this thing too late or too early, but you learn about how that influences the final product. And so you can learn how to make it more alcoholic if you want that. You can learn how to make it non-alcoholic if you want that. You can learn how to cut the bitterness out or, you know, just to change different flavors to highlight things that you like or to skip them out altogether. You don't want to run before you can walk. The key is to just to start and try it once and follow the instructions and learn the great thing is, I think, that you actually learn a lot about what you like. I'm Australian. I call anything that is made from multigrains of beer. So my apologies. Um, <laughs> but 
yeah, what I've found since I started homebrewing, and I came into this business really not having really done it before, but I've discovered that I'm so much more adventurous when I go to a, a beer bar or a pub or something now, and I want to try things I never would have tried in a million years before. I love trying sour beers and darker beers. Darker beers always scared me. When I first moved over here, we went to the Guinness Brewery, and I just thought it was the most disgusting stuff I'd ever tasted. Um, <laughs> But now I'm really into trying darker beers. They're, you know, give you something different to a pale ale. I completely credit that to my messing about with homebrewing and trying new things because if you brew it, you want to try it and then you want to try other things that other people are doing and to see if you can replicate that. And so it makes you a more discerning beer drinker, but it also drinking more recipes and, and trying things that other people are making makes you a more adventurous home brewer. I would never do one or the other. I think I wouldn't just homebrew and then never go to the pub anymore. I would want to go and try lots of different things that are out there and then try and replicate what I like. Sometimes I go and try a beer and I think, oh, my version of that is better. So, you know, that's a really nice feeling too. Do you know what? I think this is a wonderful insight for anybody that's thinking about taking a journey onto homebrewing or people that have already got an interest and in lockdown have found themselves with more time to fall in love with it again or to pay a bit more attention to the things that they're doing. So Homebrewtique is online, so people can get involved with that. How can they get involved in lockdown? Uh, so we are still really operating pretty much as normal aside from being super crazy busy, but it's homebrewteak.com. You can build your own kit. We specialize in small batch homebrewing, so it doesn't have to take up a whole lot of space in your kitchen. It makes five liters. We give quite a lot of information about all the different recipes to choose from. We sort of say whether it's a hard, medium, or easy recipe to start with. So we kind of guide you through what you're going to need to get started. We have bottles, we have pots, we have recipes, we have all the equipment, depending on what you have at home. We deliver next day. We give fantastic customer service, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, but I'm always on hand to help with brewing questions and queries and mistakes. And, you know, a lot of the time people will contact me thinking they made a mistake and that the beer is ruined and should I throw it out? And I would pretty much always say no, carry on with it, finish it, write it down, make a note of what you did. And I think probably 90% of the time their beer is still fine. They don't need to throw it away. Um, we do give a discount to camera members as well. Um, oh, very good. But yeah, everything's really operating as normal, um, aside from being crazy busy. So we may delay in getting your order out to you. But yeah, everything through the website. Which is not a bad thing that you're crazy busy at the moment. And let's hope that after lockdown, people continue to pursue the home brewing. Claire, it's been a real insight and a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. And remember, listeners, you can start your own home brewing journey or even seek the advice of the team at Home Brewtique as an established home brewer by visiting the website. Claire's given the details. It's homebrewtique.com. Camera listeners, you get yourselves a cheeky discount as well, which is even better. Learn and discover. Really interesting stuff, that. I tell you what, I love what Claire says about how you can go as geeky as you like. I think that appeals to mm. me. You know, you can keep <laughs> it simple or you can really tailor your beer to your own personal taste. And I love the fact that it's made from all grain, too. I mean, that's similar to what I love about cider making. That's starting from scratch with natural ingredients. I didn't actually know you could go... Uh, all grain and natural instead of one, say one of the dodgy kits that I had as a, <laughs> as a youth. So that's nice. 
Yeah. yeah, she has a playful way of saying that, doesn't she? Tinned version where you kind of just <laughs> pour it in. <laughs> well, it, it just makes such a big difference to the end product. I literally could not believe that I was drinking a beer that I had made because it tasted like something I would buy, which is, you know, not necessarily what you get with every homebrew. So, yeah, I was really impressed with them. You really don't need to know how to do it to get started. And isn't that the point of trying new hobbies and the way you talk about homebrewing? You start small, you give it a go, you use mm. a guiding hand like Homebrew Tick can offer. Follow the instructions read the instructions that always help Claire says herself if you can boil water and follow instructions you should be okay <laughs> now listen to sweeten the deal if you do want to try your hands at home brewing we'll be offering another little competition this week on top of the 15 percent discount you can get at home boutique claire has very kindly offered up a free recipe pack and a grain stay brew bag uh, get head to the website if you don't know what one of those are uh, for one of our lucky <laughs> listeners all you've got to do Use the tags at homebrewteak and at camera underscore official on your Twitter account and tell us your wildest idea for a homebrew <laughs> recipe. I cannot wait to see some of these. And we'll pick our favourite and we're going to set you up. You might even get a shout out on the podcast if you come up with something really amazing. So let's get those crazy recipe ideas coming through. Absolutely. And don't forget while you do, please subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review us. It's a great way to get the podcast out there, get more people involved and spread the good word about beer. And actually, we're very excited to announce something, aren't we, Katie Wiles, about our podcast and ratings? Oh, yeah, we hit 10,000 listeners. Woo! <laughs> very exciting. Thank you very much for listening in and keep listening. Yeah, definitely. Thank you <laughs> so much to all We're high on the ratings. Oh, we so are. You know, I, I'll probably move to like, I, I was Z-list, now I'm probably Y-list. You know, I'm moving up the, I'm moving up the alphabet. Uh, but thank you so much to those of you that have listened. It makes us very, very happy. happy to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's no other word for it. The sun's shining and the podcast is being listened to. That's what it's all about. If you have been listening, you may remember that we had a competition a few weeks ago. We offered a case of craft cider and perries to a community hero. We're pleased to announce that that went to Mel Andrews, who lives in Brighton. She's been going out doing shopping for her neighbours during lockdown for people who haven't been able to get out. And she's been baking and homebrewing for her friends as well so an amazing oh, wow. winner all around yeah. and i hope mel you enjoy your case of cider and perry i'm just a bit devastated i don't live next door to mel if nothing else for the smell of home baking and home brewing coming yeah, through the walls dropping off like bread and beer well what could be better <laughs> exactly great stuff now we are going to move on to our weekly cooking beer section with sue uh, and this week she's provided two recipes for us it's a brewer's soup and a boozy bread and butter pudding. Bread's featuring a lot this week, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I, I guess it's very intrinsically linked to beer. So Sue sends us a lovely note, as always, and she said we're getting two recipes for the price of one, and they have a strange sort of tenuous connection. And she says that my beer cookbook, that's Sue's beer cookbook, not mine, mine would be terrible. <laughs> um, her, her cookbook was published 20 years ago. And she says it often saddens her to see that some of the beers she used to cook with are no more. So the recipe's lost forever. And some of the breweries that crafted them are no more as well. But she was overjoyed to discover that Man's Brown Ale, uh, which she used to make brewer's soup, which is her take on French onion, that's not only still available, but apparently a quid a bottle in Morrison's. Yeah. Only in the bag. There you go, yeah, Ant. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I am well aware of man's being sold for a pound at Morrie Gigs. <laughs> and it's now produced by Marston's, our good friends over there. And apparently she immediately dispatched her husband to get some. And then after that, for dessert, it's this sounds amazing, a boozy bread and butter pudding is the second recipe she's got. And she's soaking the dried fruit in Hobgoblin. 
Oh yeah. Oh, it's a personal favourite of mine. That isn't it. I wonder. Yeah. I love the bottle with the witches and broomsticks mm. on it. And she says that that's brewed by Witchwood in Oxfordshire. Now also part of Marston's. So there we are. That's the connection. But ten years ago, <laughs> so with Marston's keeping Sue's old beer recipes going twenty years on. Well done to them. Don't forget to share your creations on social. Listen, get in touch with us if you've got any beer or cookie questions for Sue. You can email us. It's podcast at camera.org.uk and we'll pass them on to our very own Mary Berry of Camera herself. Questions, advice, recipe requests, whatever. It's all good. And on that note, don't be shy. If you've got any questions for us or you have any topic requests that you'd like us to cover on the podcast, any feedback, whatever, just get in touch on the same address. It's podcast at camera.org.uk. It will come through to all of us. So drop us a line. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. And next, we're going to sit down with Andy Parker, who is, of course, the author of Camera's Essential Homebrewing Book. A must for every house. Mm. Oh, yes. I say, down. And Andy, so he's a home brewer who turned professional and started up Elusive Brewery. And we're going to hear from the expert himself about how to make that leap from hobbyist through to the professional brewer. Desert Island Beer. Hi, Andy. Thanks for joining us. Let's start with your Desert Island Beer. My Desert Island Beer would be Green Flash's West Coast IPA. And um, mm. we might get onto this later, but it was actually the first beer that I homebrewed as an all-grain kind of homebrewer, uh, just trying to replicate it, basically, because I missed it so much. You're a man after my own heart there. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to uh, California and Air Republic Racer 5. Racer 5, yeah. And I think at the time, breweries over here were, were starting to do stuff a bit like that, but no one was brewing something that was that kind of fresh and, and hoppy at the time. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I loved about the, the Green Flash beer, just that kind of uh, bags of sea hops and, um, yeah, just really fresh and bright. Did that have an influence on you when you started brewing? I got into homebrewing when I was living in California, and back then I wasn't really into what I call kind of good beer. We used to drink kind of macro lagers in our local sort of neighbourhood bar, although I did once try Sierra Nevada Pale Ale when I lived there and thought it was far too bitter, and this was kind of Mm. late 90s and uh, I was sharing a house with a Scotsman called Jerry and we were both missing pints of cask best bitter before I moved out I was drinking kind of London Pride and beers like that and there's nothing like that on the west coast of the US and there wasn't at the time anyway when I came home for Christmas that year I picked up one of the kits you used to get in boots it came with a hook you, you basically rehydrated the dried malt extracts you added some hops you cooled it you added the yeast and you kind of hung it up some people used to put them in airing cupboards and things like that and it fermented away and we invited our friends around on Super Bowl Sunday to drink this kind of wonder that is uh, best bitter and you can imagine you know it was pretty awful how did that go down <laughs> not, very, not very well first thing I remember is um, it had, the bags had like a little tap on and I remember turning the tap on and the thing just ejecting out of force like it was hideously overcarbonated and uh, yeah it didn't taste great to be honest and then kind of some years later I got into all grain home brewing around about 2012 having kind of gone through a discovery of good beer you know starting with the uh, Belgian beer when I was working in London we used to go to a Belgian bar there after work and, you know more interesting beers and and uh, learning about hops and what they could bring to a beer and so on and when I kind of got into all grain home brewing the first beer that I brewed as I said was Green Flash's West Coast IPA just kind of that bright vibrant and hoppy beer we took a bit of a chance on it because 
because of course there's a lot that can go wrong in home brewing and that beer was quite expensive to make you know used a lot of hops and <laughs> so yeah it was a bit of a chance but it turned out well so you were back in the uk by then yes yeah so i was only in the us for a couple of years and it was when i kind of moved back to the uk i was working in london and started to discover these more interesting beers and and, and kind of started that adventure as it were and then so how did you transition from being a, a home brewer to to being a commercial brewer yeah so that very first brew that clone of green flash west coast i entered it into along with the second beer i brewed uh, which was a saison into a competition that london amateur brewers were running and the west coast picked up a bronze medal and that put a bit of a spark under me i thought well actually maybe i can do this and maybe i can brew good beer and i I need to practice and and keep learning and i'd kind of just joined the club at that point and through that club i met greg urban and brian spooner who went on to found weird beards that was my way into professional brewing because I brewed a beer, the second beer I brewed, which was a, a Saison that was hopped with Nelson Sobin. Uh, Greg uh, really liked that beer. And when they got up and running, invited me down to brew that as part of their single hop series that they were doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that beer, it kind of had the logo of Elusive Brewing on it because Greg wanted to put something on there. And it kind of evolved from there where we brewed that beer as Lord Nelson, which we still brew now. And we brewed it a weird beer, but with our branding on it. And that was around 2014. I went from there, really. And I kind of kept improving and practicing and in 2014 was lucky enough to win the Craft Beer Co's Homebrew of the Year award, a big competition they ran. And the prize for that competition was to have the winning beer brewed at Dark Star and that was in pubs all around the country. And the second part of that prize was £5,000 which went as the deposit on our kit and we eventually got up and running at Elusive in April 2016 so we just turned four. So how did you settle on Elusive as the name? Elusive branding is all retro gaming based, 8-bit video mm-hmm. games and a lot of our beers are named after games or references in games and the, the branding is all kind of pixel artwork and that's a throwback to uh, I guess a misspent youth to a degree but I was yeah big into video games and, and when we put that beer out with Weird Beards and Greg said we well, need a logo, well actually I didn't even have a brewery name at that point. Elusive was meant to be my xbox handle <laughs> but uh, when i got the xbox and was trying to register obviously elusive was taken and all kind of variations swapping the l for a one and all kind of things that i couldn't set, find anything mm. so i started googling elusive in different languages and, and found um estonian uh it's tabamatu and that became my online thing on twitter and things like that so yeah it all kind of ties in but elusive you know is a reference to those gaming days so you've co-written this book on home brewing haven't you Yeah, so that was uh, published by Camera Books a couple of years ago now. The idea that Camera had was to take Graham Wheeler's original book, Brewing British Ales, and that book was kind of a a bit of a Bible for some in terms of homebrewing. It was all about brewing kind of British styles, um, but it did cover the basic process, the, um, the method of brewing. And the idea was to take Graham's text and kind of bring it up to date, because that was written... I think in the 80s originally, a long time ago, and basically to bring that up to date and to replace the recipes that Graham had, which were for British styles, with a kind of an array of all kinds of different recipes. So as part of writing the book, I kind of took Graham's text, adapted it to kind of more modern methods. For example, Graham was a big advocate of using household bleach as a sanitizer and cleaner, and he had pages on getting the ratio right and to not taint the beer and things like that. These days, a lot of homebrewers just use like off-the-shelf um, sanitizers which are a purpose designed for that you know for cleaning and sanitizing so um, yeah things like that bring it up to date and also the recipes i approached uh, uh, friends at, at other breweries and um we, we got some really good recipes into there from breweries that are, are much lauded these days the likes of um, verdant and daya and, and so on so um, yeah it was a good fun project and um 
The other thing we were able to do is tie in with the Malt Miller, uh, who is an online retailer for homebrew um, ingredients and equipment. And they've got all of the recipes available as kits you can buy. So you can just go to the website and, and stick when you ask it and you get everything you need, just the right quantity of all the ingredients. As we speak, we are in lockdown and a lot of people might be thinking about starting home brewing as a hobby. And that kind of first few weeks of lockdown, we had the brewery completely locked down. The tanks were empty. The brewer who works for me, uh, Ricky, at that point was furloughed and uh, I was I was at home. And uh, I just kind of sat there at home thinking, what can I do? And obviously came from a homebrew background and I thought, well, it'd be fun to release recipes for some of our beers uh, in 20 litre kind of volumes and so homebrewers can brew them at home. So I spoke to the guys at the Malt Miller about putting kits together for them and things like that. And, and it turns out they were getting absolutely slammed because a lot of people, as you suggested, had had the same idea. Great time to homebrew if you, if you were homebrewing to brew more. So that's certainly one challenge is getting hold of uh, what you need. You do a lot of collaborations, obviously. Do you think it's important to collaborate with other people? And is there advice that you give budding brewers on the art of collaboration? And I'll answer that in two ways. So back to the kind of homebrewing. When I started homebrewing, I found kind of online, like, Twitter, YouTube, that kind of thing. As um, you know, there were great communities there. When I started homebrewing, I, I blogged about my first brew day, and all these people were chiming in with advice. And rather than do that, you could do this, or this will save you time. And that kind of community has always been there in, in homebrewing. And the same is true of commercial brewing. And when I started brewing commercially, I kind of carried that on and, and was keen to collaborate with as many people as possible. And a lot of it, being perfectly blunt, was down to learning. I had no real experience. I'd say for some time I spent at Weirdbeard just kind of helping out volunteering. I didn't have much experience of commercial brewing. So in our kind of early days, that collaboration, I remember... We did a brew with Hop Hideout. We brewed a whip with some ingredients you'd find in Thai food, like lemongrass and so on. Mm. Really nice, refreshing beer. But Shane came down and um, was watching me, the process I was using at the time for taking the wort from the mash tun to the kettle via the underback. And I used to let it fill up, turn the pump on, let it fill up, turn the pump on again. He goes, why don't you just kind of balance that the flow rate out of the valve so that it matches the flow rate in, then you can leave the pump on. And I just, I never felt more stupid. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> that's how it's meant to work. <laughs> it's, it's, it feels like every time I do a commercial collaboration, I learn something. And mm. hopefully now I'm a bit more experienced. Other thing, you know, that, that discussion on the day, you know, I'm able to pass things on as well. So it's a, it's a two-way thing. And I don't know any brewers that don't like collaborating with other brewers. I'm sure the listeners would like to hear, as I always do, of any complete disasters you've had when you brewed either <laughs> home brewing or commercially when i started home brewing a couple of batches definitely went down the drain and and you know mostly down to kind of sanitation errors where you get an infection mm. i brewed this beer and i bought in a wet pitch um of belgian yeast i got some australian hops i forget which hops I had in there but it was it was an awful beer for many reasons it was far too bitter uh, the recipe was just a, just a silly idea and i I remember taking that beer to the homebrew club and everyone just pulling faces, drinking it. There were no faults with it. It was just a terrible recipe. So there's been a few of those. As this is the Desert Island beer section, do you have a Desert Island hop that if you had to brew with only one hop for the rest of your life, what would you pick? If I had to pick one hop um, that I could have to brew with forever, <laughs> I'd probably go with Citra, I think. Mm because that is uh i mean it's a beautiful hop that kind of aroma that is really distinctive and um for me that's kind of the hop of craft beer in a way because it, it's so prevalent but that is pretty but you know get a nice pale ale with it if you've ever had one of the export stouts from kernel citra version that, that's beautiful a black ipa which is my favorite style really works really well there like it's mm. 
It's a versatile hop and, it, and it's interesting and flavoursome enough that I could probably live with brewing just with that. That's a great answer. Desert Island Beer. Wonderful. Thank you so much to Adam and to Andy for that interview. And do you know what I really loved about that was the whole message that was being shared around the collaboration. And certainly in times of lockdown and outside of sharing ideas is where the magic can sometimes happen, certainly with beers. I know I've had some wonderful collaboration brews in my time and look forward to having more. And the competitions themselves sound amazing. You can imagine being on the tasting board for those. I'd say I bet you get a wide range of quality entering that <laughs> competition. So some of them made in the bath, you know, yeah. be, all the way through to professional. I don't know. Some of Matt's stuff bubbling in the pot. Yeah. 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 Just bubbling away. You'd certainly need a poker face for that, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I have newt's tongue of baths. <laughs> Oh, Andy actually led a talk last week on the Red Online virtual pub about essential homebrewing, and that went down really, really well. So make sure that you're checking back on that Red Online platform to see if there are any other talks and events coming up that you might like to join. Because do something every Tuesday for a Tasty Tuesday special. We've got Roger Protz and Desdemore Moore and Jane Payton coming up. So check back on the redlion.org.uk and see what's happening and join us on a Tasty Tuesday. Now, before we end our show, it's time for us to dive into the archive and this time we're heading back back, 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 back to 1983 oh, a great year if you think that elusive brewing and all of the pump clip stuff that andy uses i can only imagine this was this is ripe for that the 8-bit computer gaming <laughs> so we've got a great little review from the february issue of what's brewing and it's for the book home wine making brewing and other drinks by charles foster a bargain three pound fifty oh yeah and with inflation <laughs> Oh, who knows? Uh... Think about it. So the review of the book was written by former camera chairman Tony Mills, who laments the fact that only 13 of its 80 pages were dedicated to beer. What were they thinking? I mean, it is oh. called Home Wine. I wonder yeah. how many people tick off all of those, like the home wine, the brewing, and then the other drinks. Yeah, <laughs> what is, what is other drinks? Yeah, yeah we get cider and perrier, but, but this, is this another one of your Bundy specials, Matt, with the cauldron? They defy uh, classification. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, however, uh, later edition in 1983, November that year, does tell us that the sales of homebrew kits boomed and rose by 27% in the five years that followed. And it also states here that bitter was the product of choice, 60% of brews at the time, with lager being the second choice. I can't imagine most homebrewers doing bitter and lagers these days. <laughs> no, and bit... actually Claire says it in her interview, doesn't she, that, that lager is notoriously difficult to make yeah. uh, at home. I also liked in this story about how it's saying that 17% of male homebrewers said that their own brew made up 55% of everything they drink. Really hammers home that stereotype of the guy in the shed <laughs> yeah, making the homebrew. And also it says that Germany banned the import of brew. British beer kits, which is quite strange, <laughs> reported mm. that one of the MEPs was taking it to the court. I think there's something a bit more there that we need to find oh, out. M- maybe. Maybe we need to do a bit more. I love the idea of an MEP <laughs> going into the courts going, yeah, lads, here's a load of uh, homebrew kits. Don't say anything, but I'll have half of whatever you're making. <laughs> <laughs> We've got we've also got a bonus second article this week. It's only from this year, but I thought it was interesting. And it has the headline Radiation Ale. <laughs> and we got to share this. It reports that a government committee 
was looking for sites to dump radioactive waste. And oh. one site considered apparently could have impacted that the famous water in Burton-on-Trent, the source of so mm. many great beers, and oh, Marmite, wow. let's not forget that. And it raises as if they started, it's a bit mean this, they started <laughs> dumping already, it might explain the problems we have with draft bass too much plutonium in the hot liquor i mean that's harsh <laughs> it's, it's it's hard that's a harsh review you know it's it's a tough crowd but i mean it, apparently no radioactive beers are produced in burton since but i'll, I'll check my marmite jar see if it's glowing you know, yeah. and, get your geiger and, counter out matt yeah let's see if it's all right i love finding these things in old what's brewings that you're like you can't say that <laughs> yeah all right exactly yeah just for the record button up on trent does not have any yeah there's, uh, radioactive there's no radiation in the beer as it's far as fine <laughs> go and drink as much of it as you want folks and with that we're going to ding the bell for last orders last orders here we go then last orders what have we all been drinking this week well, I'll tell you what, I found something that was a gift from uh, UK2Ls from our, our first recording many months ago, and we could meet in person, and it's Port City Brewing Company, <gasps> a robust porter. Yeah. I found, oh. I found it had rolled to the back of the cupboards. I was hoping I'd find 50 quid as well, but it was just this. Uh, <laughs> and this is worth its weight in gold. Oh, so that go, stuff so... is wonderful. So that was yeah, the, the American lovely. beer from Lottie, wasn't it? She's coming back on the programme in a few episodes' time. She's going to be telling us all about American beer. Love it. <laughs> I've been inspired by Sue again this week. She was talking about the raspberry beers in the last episode. Okay. Actually ordered a box of brew from Aura Brewing, and they're an Italian brewer's based in North London. So I got them through the Brew to You app, and they've got a Lemoncello IPA. Oh yeah, so nice. Is it <laughs> really well balanced? Not too sweet or tart. Lemony, just yeah, it just was absolutely beautiful. So very, very happy with that for this week. I bet. And actually, just sitting in the garden. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> what have you uh, been drinking? I must admit, I've headed back to Kelchner Brewery up in Amptill for this one. Big shout out to Chris and Marissa, husband and wife team. You know, Marissa's the head brewer there. She's been pulling a cropper in lockdown, really keeping us all hydrated. And my mate Tony was. 70 this week tony happy birthday to you again i know that he listens and i went round to see tony because i was able to i actually went out the house we sat on the end of the drive either end of the drive and we had a few drinks and it wasn't the 70th he was hoping for but we drank kelchner's very own amptel not amptil amtel uh, oatmeal stout katie you'd love this stuff oh. it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing and amatel gets his name from the fact that amptil itself is referred to as such in the doomsday book so even a bit of a dark quirky fact for you so it's my drink of the week it's amtel from kelchner brewery moved out the supermarkets aunt <laughs> just for the week because it's tony's birthday oh <laughs> he couldn't get a delivery slot so yeah. all right all right all right <laughs> <laughs> now don't forget to tune in next week we're going to continue with the homebrewing theme and learn a bit about foraging and mixed fermentation with the little earth project and adnams brewery so make sure to join us next week and we will end the episode with a quote indeed so this one is from martin luther going way back contemporary as always uh, oh, yeah. and he says this whoever drinks beer he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen <laughs> to that, Martin Luther. Cheers! Cheers. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.